Wow, what a task this episode was. Technical difficulties galore. So, here we go. Presented without further comment. Welcome to the Un-American Football Show. Uh, this week, we move our attention to the NFC South. Uh, first of all, let me introduce our guests. Joining me, uh, we've got Tough Show co-host, uh, Rabbi Burns and Saints Enthusiast. Ross, uh, it's your first time back since your wonderful five-year option poem. Uh, have you written anything else lately? No, I've actually not touched the pen in a while, Nate. I do think that is me peaked now. Um, that five-year option poem, it doesn't get much better than that. Actually, just looking forward to chatting about the Saints for a change on this show because, as you know, I'm, I, I tend to keep my neutral hat on quite well, usually. So I'm looking forward to chatting about the Saints for a change. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, difficult, to, uh, it's difficult to stay neutral. and you, you do a good job normally. So I'm looking forward to you uh, really going in for the jugular on some of these chaps we, we've got joining us today. Uh, and talking about uh, the other guys we've got on today, uh, representing the Super Bowl champions, and I say Super Bowl because I refuse to call them world champions, uh, it's Harry. Uh, well, welcome to the show, mate. Um, first of all, I think the only important question is, why on earth would you ever be a Tampa Bay fan? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Thanks for having me on, first of all. Nice to speak to all you guys. Um, completely random, really. Nothing to do, no choice on my end. Uh, basically, my granddad is American. He um, was born and raised in uh, in New England. And then um, after he met my nan, they lived in um, just a stone's throw away from Raymond James Stadium. So they moved back to England. Um, and when I was about 12, in 2011, they took me to a Wembley game. It was um, the Bucks v. the Bears. And because he'd lived so close, because he lived in Tampa, we supported the Bucks on the day. Um, Got really into it, loved it. Of course, we were the Bucks were shit. Of course, um, I think Josh Freeman threw for two touchdowns, four interceptions. So that kind of got give me a nice taste of things to come. Um, but I, I kind of I fell in love with the sport then on that day, and, and they were just my team already. And I I got more and more into it every year. Nice, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's better than the majority of British fans who are just going. I don't know, just sort of pick them or their Patriots fans, right? So it's nice that uh it's <laughs> yeah. nice that it's not a glory hunting thing. It's just uh it's just it, it's uh family ties of taking you to Tampa. That's good. Um next up we have a wine uh representing the Falcons. So why Atlanta? Very good question. So I started supporting the Atlanta Falcons back in two thousand and seven. Uh, the reason being, I went into a cash exchange game shop and Ma- uh, the, the previous edition of Madden was there on the shelf for something like 97p on the Xbox 360. So I thought, I'll have that. And I picked the worst team on the game, which was the Atlanta Falcons, and thought, this is for me. Not a glory hunter. I like to be there and uh, and see the highs as well as the lows. So that's the reason for the Falcons. It's not flashy, but... Uh, I think with a lot of fans, isn't it? Madden's the, a, a way to go. And yeah, I just picked the worst team. Uh, that, that was it. 
Yeah, certainly for UK-based fans, I think yeah. Madden's uh, Madden's a pretty pretty common one where where you know people go on and just pick a team, the first team they either get drafted by or yeah. the, or the first team that they uh you know they 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 play as. So it's uh it's a it's a it's a pretty common one. It's a yeah, good one. Yeah. Uh, and you know it could be worse. You could be a Patriots fan or you could be a Jags fan. So yeah, yeah we won't talk you, about you, prior experiences with the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been all downhill from there, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then finally, um, we've got Adrian out here supporting the Panthers. Um, again, same question, Adrian. Why on earth Carolina? <laughs> yeah, I get live in Northern Ireland. I get this question asked quite a lot. Um, it's from the usual Oakland Raiders, Patriots, etc. But uh, I was at a youth camp about ten or twelve years ago. Um, and there was uh, a few Americans at it, and a couple of them went to Auburn College at the time. So you can you can guess where I'm going with this one. Um, and it was just it was the season. It was the the year before Cam had his his great college season, and, and a couple of the guys at camp said, "Look, keep an eye on this guy." At, at the time, I was kind of following uh, Peyton Manning just just because of that's that's who I knew 15 years ago, growing up watching Channel Four. Um, and he was the guy, and then I was like, right, I had to choose a team. Uh, and the ones at camp said, look, Cam Newton, keep an eye on him. He's a he's a quirky kind of guy. He's, he's funky. He's, he's right up your street. So I was like, yep, I'll I'll roll with that. And it just turned out in an absolutely storming uh, 2010 college college campaign, uh, picking up quite a few honors. Then he went number one overall to Carolina. So I was just like, right, okay, I'm I'm going to roll with the Panthers. And 12 years on him, I'm still here. Nice. It's 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 funny how we we've all got these little stories about you know uh, we I came came about this team for this reason and we and and then you know ten fifteen twenty years later we're still stuck with them and we're like why on earth did I do this especially especially you know Tampa you know you, it's come good now but that's a long time of misery right. <laughs> yeah, the complete opposite of glory hunting. Um. Kind of used to it. I've got a Norwich season ticket. Uh, football's my first love. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a nice introduction to the <laughs> NFL being a Bucks fan for sure. Uh, right. Okay. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the 2020 season. Um, so the divisional standings, we had the Saints winning the division with a 12-4 and record and they managed a 6-0 and divisional record. Um, then we had Tampa coming in second with an eleven and five uh, record, with a four and two divisional record. Panthers third with five and eleven and a one and five record divisional record. And then the Falcons bringing up the rear with a uh, four four and twelve uh, record, uh, which left them one and five in the division as well. Um, so uh, we'll start with the Saints as they top the table. Um, it was one one of only two perfect divisional records in the NFL last season. Um, hugely actually successful regular season is a very impressive record for them. Uh, they walked past the Bears and then they lost by two scores to the Bucks in the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, so all in all, especially considering how your uh, your regular season went, you must be bitterly disappointed with how things ended up, especially with uh, it looking like Drew Brees' final run at anything. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame for Brees as far as I'm concerned, obviously. Um whether obviously Super Bowls don't come around easily for anyone uh, other than Tom Brady, apparently. 
But um, <laughs> I think he definitely deserved a, an, at least another appearance in one. Like I think in 2009, we all thought he'd get back to one surely, a bit like Aaron Rodgers since 2010, right? Uh, not been back can, to one since. Can we not talk about that 2009 yeah. Super Bowl, please? Yeah, sorry, we won't mention it again. But uh, <laughs> I, again, yeah, another another postseason heartbreak for Breeze and Sean Payton and uh, uh, Saints Nation uh, this year. Um, although six and zero in the division this season, uh, including thumping Tampa Bay on Sunday Night Football in a, a game I remember Al Michaels being especially disgruntled at uh, having to commentate on. He never quite became the game that he, they, everyone thought it was going to be. Um, and then we end up losing the one that counts, right? Again in January. Um, and to be fair, on the day in January, just didn't happen for Breeze. I think we really, realistically, we could tell really early on that he was a bit. His body was shot. Um, the the ball just wasn't coming out of his hand like we've we've seen it come out in the past. Um, and I think if anything, we were we did so well to keep it close going into the third quarter. And then um, when it came time to having to score points um, in bunches, um, Breeze turned over the ball, and um, that I think you could tell his body was done. Um, maybe we'll get onto his injuries in a little bit, but it's come out. It's come out in in the off season that he was dealing with injuries. Um, but ultimately, I think you run the risk when you're putting out a 42, 43 year old quarterback every week that their their body's not going to be up to it come January. Um, and that was the case. I think the this was just a step too far for Breeze, especially in the last couple of years. Yeah, you mentioned the um, the injuries, and it's it, it's it's obviously quite a, quite an interesting point. You. He started out the season in his kind of usual manner, and then just the lo- further, of, the deeper and deeper into the season we got, you could see that things just weren't were right with Breeze. Do you think it was just an unlucky season, or do you think it's just age starting to tell, and and you know he's he's struggling to recover from niggles and what it's, have you? It's been a pattern the last three seasons. Realistically, I know we've had our own postseason heartbreak. Um, the nobody wants to mention the Minneapolis miracle, but. Uh, not my best night as a Saints fan, but that was probably the last time we saw Breeze play really, really well in the playoffs was uh, during that comeback in the, in the second half of that game. Um, and since then, it's been a tale of during the, the regular season, we're a bit of a machine. We rack up wins. Sean Payton is arguably one of the be- easily one of the best coaches uh, in the league, in my opinion. His game planning is as good as any of the coaches out there in the league. Um Hence why when Breeze was out of the lineup, he still has an 8-1 record over the last two seasons. Um, but as far as Breeze is concerned, it's been a pattern. He, he starts out fine. Um, and then as soon as you get into the colder months and the body, the injuries start to count uh, rack up with him, um, he just can't put it together in January. And that's what happened again this year. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, we, we're talking about him being injured a lot. We're uh, we're big fans of uh, Taysom Hill or Tay Tay as we're christened him over here. Um, obviously, for no reasons that are actually you know football related at all. Um, how did you think his uh, <laughs> Tay Tay stepping into the limelight went for you? Um, were you glad to get Breeze back, or do you do you do you see Tay Tay having a big future with you with you? I see Tay Tay having a, a future with us. I don't know if he's going to be the starter. Um, uh, we'll get on to the predictions and the, the QB battle that's ahead of us in, in training camp. But Tate did all right. He, he went three and one, beat the Falcons twice. Uh, like he played all right in both those games. Um, it, you know, he gets the ball out quickly. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the league. Obviously, we know that. Otherwise, he would have been uh, starting quarterback ages ago. 
Um, but again, the way Sean, Sean Payton plans games, um, he finds him open receivers. He uses Alvin Kamara about as good as anybody uses a good receiving back um, in the league does. Um, and he, he finds a way to win, uh, coach his team to win games, Sean Payton. And he can find a way to win games with Taysom Hill, with Tate, sorry, as the starting quarterback. Um, again, we'll get on to see if that's sustainable throughout 16, 17 games now. Um, but Tate can start for the New Orleans Saints. I don't know if he could start for any other team in the league, but he, he can win games with the Saints, and that's what he did last year as the starting quarterback. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know it's my fault we call him Tate, but I can't I can't listen to anybody else say it without laughing at it. It's ridiculous. Uh, that's enough about the uh, the Saints for now. Um, we're going to move on to the Buccaneers. Um so they lost uh, week one and they put a nice streak together with uh, and then with a game of the season contender um, coming in a comeback win over the Chargers. Um, they lost to the Saints twice in the regular season, but then won um, in the playoffs when it mattered. Um, they spent an awful lot to open this uh, Super Bowl window for Brady, obviously, you know, being bringing in Brady, Brady um, but they re-signed Sue, uh, Nunez Richet, uh, JPP, the tag Barrett. Um, they signed Brady and then in the draft and in free agency picked up uh, Tristan Wirfs, uh, Winfield Jr., Joe Haig, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown. Um, are you happy you sold your soul for the bowl? I couldn't be more happy. That's what you got to do in the um, in the NFL. There's so much turnover. Um, yeah, of course I am. We um, we've went through. Like I said earlier, it's been awful with Josh Freeman, Jameis Winston as a Bucks fan who it. I've not seen us in a playoff game to then win a Super Bowl and to go from 0 to 100. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. By far the greatest moment of my 2020, obviously not hard, was winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I cannot complain whatsoever. It was, it was tough what to uh, to know what to expect going into the season, uh, especially with, with being COVID times, no proper preseason. Um, and, and we're getting all these amazing uh, signings and, and pickups and Tom Brady the GOAT, but you've got no idea, because we're the Buccaneers, if it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, um, just tell me what it feels like as, as you watch all these huge, you know, you've, admittedly, you know, a, a large part of the team you built was actually re-signing players. Um, obviously, I've mentioned Sue, Nunez Riche, uh, JPP and Barrett, but then signing players like Fournette, Brown, Brady, and then uh, even Joe Haig. You know, I'm being a Colts fan. We don't sign big names in free agency, so I've got no idea what it's like to go out and just bringing a superstar to talk to us about that. How does that feel? I mean, it was quite shocking as as a Bucks fan. Um, I think it's kind of coincided with Jason Light. Uh, he's learned how to draft. Finally, we've had some some really good classes with Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, obviously, last year. And it they recognised that. They recognised it was their time. Um, and they went all out, bollocks out to get it. I, I was not expecting it. I've kind of bit... It seemed like a tepid franchise, like, supporting it. Just full of frustration. And the, the fan... It was a meme even between our own fans. But they've obviously got sick of it. They knew they were going to... Jason Light knew his time was coming to an end unless he did something big. And um, obviously, it's paid off in the in the best way imaginable. 
we'll come back to whether you can go at the bowl again next year. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll move it on now to uh, the Panthers and Adrian. Um, so obviously, Cam Newton has vacated Charlotte. Um, CMC, multiple injury problems throughout the year. It was a difficult year for him. Um, you brought in Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater uh, and Robbie Anderson. Um, all in all, it was kind of just disappointing, but it's very clearly at the at the start of a rebuild. How do you feel now, looking back and assessing your season? Uh, I was I was kind of the start that we had. Obviously, had um, David Tepper coming in, um, Joe Brady. Snow. you could clearly see it was a rebuild. Um, whenever they let Cam go, it was <clears throat> personally it was a big loss. Um, a big character around there, and then. Olsen was going, uh, Stuart was away a couple of years before, but uh, we started off pretty slow and then, and then there was a bit of hope. Um, CMC went down pretty early in the season. I think it was week two or week three. <clears throat> but the signing of, of Bridgewater Street off the bat, I was just like, I'm not having that uh, at all. Um, you're, not leaving, uh, you're not leaving a team like the Saints with a guy like Sean, Sean Payton at the helm um, to come and join a team here and be competitive straight away. It's you know, Sean Payton doesn't let those kind of players go for. Uh, he lets them go for a reason, and, and Bridgewater was never going to be the answer. <clears throat> and then um, just the season panned out. You know, we kind of went uh, three and two early in the season, um, and then we went to Chicago. I think it was kicked the late field goal, and we should have been kind of pushing for for a TD at that time. And then we had a bit of a rough run with Kansas and, and New Orleans on the road. But they finished the way we did, um, especially in week 16 with that that win at Washington. Pe- people talk about it now, especially Panthers fans, they talk about it now. Oh, if we hadn't have, if we, if we, if we hadn't have uh, beat the Washington football team in week six, 16, we would have been picking possibly fourth, uh, fifth in the draft this year. <clears throat> I don't think that would have mattered. I don't think the way David Tepper is, he would have drafted a quarterback. He had the opportunity to take one this year, and I don't think he was going to do that. So I can't really complain. They, they have the record we had. It's, it's justifiable um, for a team that's rebuilding, for a team that loses their, their superstar running back, and a team that picks up uh, and, and, and pays through the nose for as well. For me, a totally bang average quarterback uh, in the National Football League. So, yeah, the, the record we had, I think it was Five wins, you know it's. We'll definitely be better that next year, but it's just disappointing. As you, you touched earlier in the the division record, I think it was one win we had. Yeah. Um, and I think it was the Falcons. I'm not too sure, but for for to come away with the division with one win, is pretty disheartening. But as I say, it's it's a trust in trust in the process of of the rebuild that that uh, David Tepper's got going on there. So. Rough 2021, 2021-2021 season. So just glad to see the bag of it now, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that was sort of going to be my next question. Like, you, you must be relieved it's all over and you'd be glad to be moving on, but you've summed it up really well there. So uh, I think I didn't have any other notes on the Panthers season, so we'll move it on now to the Falcons. Um, a wine. Uh, the Falcons uh, signed uh, Gurley and Fowler Jr., Julio had a really troublesome year. And for me, I've spoken about it before on the podcast. For me, having picked him up in round one uh, in a in in a league, 
I now despise the bloke. Um, he let me down time <laughs> and time again. Um, Todd Gurley scored the uh, the funniest touchdown in history um, and accidentally gave the Lions a win by falling over the line. Um, both Ridley and Gage had pretty decent years. Um, Fowler had a really, really disappointing season. Um Having coming uh, it's with an expensive contract, um, so far he's cost the Falcons fifteen million per sack, which is uh, is not what I'm, I'm guessing they were uh, yeah. they were going no. for in that one. No. Um, so I don't really know where to start. I've given you a few good pointers of where to start, yeah, but I wouldn't know where to start. I guess you just have to be glad it's all over. It was. Pretty horrendous, wasn't it? It was a very, very difficult watch at times. You talk about that Todd Gurley touchdown, which shouldn't have been a touchdown, just probably sums up the season, just absolutely calamitous. And then you've got the the onside kick against the Cowboys as well, which just absolutely sums up what the Falcons have been in in 2020. It was just really, really difficult to watch at times. Uh, You mentioned the two stands up there. Definitely Calvin Ridley and uh, Russell Gage were definitely the the standouts. Um, I think Ridley's kind of established himself as that number one, even before um, Julio left for me, the injury-riddled season that Julio Jones had. Calvin Ridley had established himself as as the number one receiver in the offense, so that's why that trade made made a lot of sense, especially with the cap situation. Um, and uh, you know he he can go on. He's in what his fourth year in his contract, his fifth year options being um, picked up, so he is going to be in for a big contract at some point. Um, but he was really was the the shining light um, in terms of Fowler. He is returning for twenty twenty one on a much less. Um, lesser paid deal thank god because it has say to be, it? we just have a habit of overpaying for for players um you know Gurley um just, just didn't really do anything with that that run game uh, just was non-existent and you know when you when you're signing a, a Todd Gurley coming off a you know off an injury that was probably always going to happen yeah it's uh yeah i mean i i'm guessing you know, both Todd Gurley and um, I've uh, I've completely blanked on his name Fowler yep. Junior. That's how good a season he had. I can't yep. actually remember yep. who yep. he is. Um, yeah, it, the, the amount of money and the amount of um, amount of hope put onto those two deals uh, is a bit of a bit of a kick in the nuts, isn't it? With how just how poor both went. Yeah, and I guess the, the moves in, in in hindsight didn't make any sense, did they? It was kind of uh, you know the coaching staff and and um, the, the GM thought you know, this is this is going to have to happen or, or we're out of a job so we're just going to go all guns blazing and cross our fingers because they didn't do much else than cross their <laughs> fingers. Yeah, um, you summed it up pretty well. Yeah, I don't. There's not really much more to say about it. I guess. <laughs> um, I guess you're going to be hoping for a much a much uh, a much more positive 2021, but we will get onto that uh, a little bit later. What we're going to do is we're going to move on to the off-season now. Um, so we're going to look at the notable transactions. Uh, as last week's episode shows, I am um, I do occasionally miss one or two. So if I miss anybody out that's either gone or come in that you're happy with, please, please, please bring me up. Um, we're going to start uh, with the Panthers, I think. Um, 
Carson Reddick in, AJ Boye in, Dan Arnold, Denzel Perryman, David Moore, um, FA Obada, Mike Davis, Curtis Samuel, all out. Um, they drafted JC Horn, which uh, I think is a fantastic pickup, especially for where you, where you grabbed him. Um, Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver, and uh, a tackle in Brady Christensen, um, who's sorely, sorely sought after. Well, sort of, maybe not sought after, but sorely needed in, in Charlotte. Um, you traded for Sam Darnold, for, uh, and you sent a 2021 sixth rounder and a second and fourth rounder for 2022, which you know, they're not, there's not a lot of early picks there, but I think it's a good amount of value for the Jets. And and I'd say fair value for, for, for Carolina because, you know, they're not, other than that second rounder, you're not going to have, you're not often going to have big impact players coming in those, in those other spots that have gone. Um, so how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you feel about that draft and, and your, and your, uh, and your off season in general? Uh, I think for the draft that was um, going into it, a lot of Panthers fans were divided. They <clears throat> they wanted a quarterback just because for me the, with the draft, just because there was four or five top quality quarterbacks there to be to be taken. <clears throat> I, I wasn't I wasn't mad keen on it. You know how how many quarterbacks have came out of the draft and and been studs, and how many first round quarterbacks have come out of the the draft and been studs. I think Cam Newton out of the last ten years has been the only one. It's been at some absolute shockers. But the the pick up of Donald, Andrew Luck, uh, yeah, but he he lasted what four seasons, five seasons. Uh yeah, I mean you can't blame Andrew Luck for that. Though. That's all on Ryan Grigson. I turn it into a Colts podcast every week. Let's just forget <laughs> it. Move, let's move on. Let's move on. No, I think I doubt. No, you're, you're totally right. Um, but the, <clears throat> the 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 picks for Donald, I think during the draft they managed to accumulate them back again. Uh, with a few different trades. Yeah. I, I I I love Donald. I think Donald's was never the issue um, at the Jets. I think it was Gaze, um a supporting role. Um, the, the cast he had there, some of the wide receivers he had, he's now a massive upgrade in uh, head coach and also offensive coordinator in Joe Brady. And also uh, the players around him, he's gone from buying average players. <laughs> he's gone from Frank Gore to Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, it's <clears throat> the likes of... Um, Terence Marshall stepping in there, really looking forward to seeing what what he can bring. Um, the JC Horn pick, it was funny going on the Twitter that evening. Twitter seemed to explode with Panthers fans either loving the pick and absolutely adoring it, or not hating it but wanting the quarterback. Having watched a lot of his tape recently, um, he's a local kid to South Carolina. Uh, delighted with it, and as you touched on it there, you said about uh, creative. Uh, Brady Christensen. He said he was much sought after. The the hype, the hype that he was selected was it was great to see. There was there were, I think there was a few teams in form, and then a few a few of the other NFC South teams um, whose fans I follow on Twitter were were slating Carolina, saying that they reached for him, but then the next minute it was it was nah they they wish they, their team had had a selected him, but. You mentioned a lot of veterans coming in there, um, AJ Boy and that. I think it's it's hard to predict what Carlin is going to do next year with that draft, the the free agency pickups, and even get McCaffrey back. McCaffrey's going to be as the old cliche is like like a new signing. Um, but I just think that line still needs a bit of work to it. 
the offensive line. Somebody uh, somebody touched on it there about about keeping Matt Ryan upright. Um, I think I've seen enough of Darnold that he'll be a bit more a bit more savvy than than Terry. Watching Terry a lot last year, he was just kind of stuck in the pocket. But super, uh, Chuba Hubbard, you know, there's a guy there's a guy who I completely forgot about. Um, a great complimentary back to to McCaffrey. It'll be interesting to see. Um, especially from a fantasy perspective, what way uh, Carolina go about using McCaffrey this year uh, with Chubba Hubbard there? I'm I'm super excited to use Chubba Hubbard lot in there beside him. But I think it's going by going by what I've seen um, on social media and stuff. I think the the Panthers draft grade was well up there. If you combining the draft grade, the free agency signings, and the players that we kept, um, I think it's been a great off season so far. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I really like what you've done. It's it's very clearly, you know, it, it very clearly smacks of a team in a rebuild. Um, and there are there are some other teams I think that have done slightly better in their rebuild. Um, but there are a couple of moves here that I really like. You know, like House and Reddick, um, Boyer, both good pickups. As I said, J.C. Horn and I think Brady Christensen is are also really good draft picks. Um, the tackle tackles and well the line the line class uh, offensive line class for this draft was so, so unbelievably deep that even you know going and picking a lineman in the fourth round you've probably got someone who's going to be a very serviceable lineman starting lineman in maybe one or two years there um, so it, uh, it's it's a pretty good uh, pickup I think the I think for the future the target has to be to make that line better though Carolina going into twenty twenty one have got the 31st ranked offensive line in the league only being beaten out to the worst um, unit by the Giants and a lot of Darnold's issues with the Jets were that the O-line didn't protect him enough didn't give him enough time in the pocket to find find deep balls um, do you think do you think there's any there's been much of an improvement there on the O-line for next year or do you think that's going to be a real problem <clears throat> I still think it's going to be a problem there's a bit of shuffling going on at the moment. Just I think it depends on how some of the new guys step in. But again, it's whether or not they they build around Darnold in regards to play calling. I think last year they relied on um, Teddy Bridgewater to get them out of trouble with his feet. And for me, again, going back to what I said earlier, he, he, he's, he didn't. He should have been, and he didn't. He didn't read for me. Bridgewater didn't read what the defense was doing. <clears throat> um, I think I think it will be a rebuild this year again. On that line, it'll be interesting to see where they end up this time next year in regards to draft pick, and whether they add to that line or whether they try and go for it this year and possibly pick up one or two more um, to add to the line. But the, defensively wise, I think I think they're solid enough, but. Again, it's it's all it's all what lies ahead over the next two or three months, and and what we see come September time. I actually think defensively, um, that's where you guys probably scare me the least because you're still so young on the defense. Um, I, personally, I think you know they drafted Horn, who could be a very athletic, good young cornerback. Um, but their whole entire draft in 2020, I think, was all on the defensive side of the ball, and that was with the plan of going a lot younger on that side of the ball after Luke Keekley retired. Um, but I think that's kind of what the Panthers offseason smells of to me personally as a Saints fan, as an NFC South fan. Um, 
is it none of nothing scared me with what the Panthers did this offseason. They uh, you know, like you said earlier, we, we gave Teddy B to you guys, or we, we let him walk out the door because um and Sean Payton doesn't necessarily do that to quarterbacks um that he rates. Uh and then you guys pick up Sam Darnold, who in three years in the NFL, you know, we'll find out if it was coaching with the Jets or not um this season probably. And I don't think you guys gave up a lot for Darnold. I think that's worth a flyer. If you're if you weren't sold on Justin Fields and Mac Jones in this year's draft, then absolutely worth a flyer to take Darnold at this stage in your rebuild. Um, the one thing I would say is, is if you rated Fields higher than Darnold or about the same as Darnold, it's never too early in a rebuild to take a quarterback in the first round. If if the guy falls into your lap, then you take him and you just you accelerate your program. You you know. Um, but yeah, I think that's the one thing I would say about the Panthers is nothing they did this offseason scares me. They didn't bring any superstars. They're very much still in, uh, I would say, at the beginning of the rebuild. They have at least another offseason to go. And then maybe in 2022, if they find a quarterback or if Donald is the guy, um, maybe they'll be challengers. I think the thing there, the thing there is Donald's still only 24 <clears throat> and he's been in the league, what did you say, the last three years? You know, it's, it's still, for me, as I say, Adam Gase has held him back for three years. I think under Joe Brady, uh, I think you're going to see a different, a different quarterback. And <clears throat> the defense there, you know, you're talking about they drafted Derek Brown last year. Brian Burns was was different gravy last year too. Uh, a couple of decent cornerbacks in there. They accompany Horn and 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 uh, Dante Jackson. Jeremy Chin can come in there for me. Jeremy Chin was like a like a hybrid DB, so he was. But as you say, you, you mentioned him. You can't you can't replace a guy like Luke Keekley. not just for his skills on the pitch, but for his for his, his brain. His football and brain was just different gravy. It was it was on another level. To everyone else, he was, as he's all, I'm sure you've all probably seen it. He was calling out plays before before guys were even lining up. Yeah, sweet. Uh, okay, so we're going to move it on to the Tampa off season. Um, as with last season, you know, big, big, big names being kept: Nadam Kongsu, Rob Gronkowski, Nunez Roche, Fournette, Brown, all resigned. Brown took a little bit longer than some of the others because, they're, I mean, it's Antonio Brown. There's always problems. Um, but Giovanni Bernard uh, was signed, which is a bit of a strange one. There's not really been much, much big names coming in. Uh, Joe Haig was lost to Pittsburgh, um, and then uh, Joe Tyron. Uh, uh, Outside linebacker and then uh, Kyle Trask, quarterback drafted. Um, kind of quiet compared to last season, Harry. How do you feel? Yeah, it was definitely a more understated off season, but we have a lot less needs this time around. And I think the needs that we did have, we we definitely filled. Uh, Fournette and and Jones had hot. Uh, they were they were hot at different points last year, but they were both uh, poor in the passing game. They both dropped a few passing, and obviously that's something that. That Brady uh, rates having someone to dump off to, so I think Gio Bernard is really good. That he fills a gap for us, and um, the draft went went pretty much the same way. Joe Tryon was um, I I wanted Kyle Trask actually before the draft at the end of the first round, so I was I was happy we got him in the second, and then to get Joe Tryon as well, and he'll be um, the first rotation in our pass rush, meant to uh, replace JPP who's getting on a bit now. So I think yeah, not. Not overwhelming off season, but but definitely um, definitely a successful one. And I think the um, the return of OJ Howard is going to feel like a new player as well. We've already got a, a nice tight end room, so that, that's going to feel like he's in a contract year. It could could be a big year for him. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I can't 
can't really uh, I can't really argue with that. Uh, obviously, Carl Trask was some people had him had him rated really high. Uh, I think he was kind of everybody's next QB after the main main four. Um, so to see him to, to to kind of want him at the end of the first and manage to get him at the end of the second is a, is is a really really handy bit of business. Fortunately, obviously, everybody that wanted a quarterback had already taken a quarterback before you got to him, uh, which is which is a nice touch. Um, yeah, no, really, really quiet uh, off-season. Not really much to talk about with Tampa, so we're just going to move it straight on. Okay, so the Falcons off-season. Um, star kicker, it feels weird to say that, but star kicker, Young Hoku, uh, extended his contract. Calvin Ridley's fifth-year option, as you, as you mentioned, uh, has been taken up. Uh, Hayden Hurst's fifth-year mm-hmm. option was declined. Um, signs uh, Corderal Patterson, um, who is pretty much only a kick returner now. Although you know he did score a touchdown on one last year, and it was a pretty, pretty wild effort. Um, and also Mike Davis has been brought in. Um, obviously, the biggest news—well, not mm-hmm. quite the biggest news—the biggest positive news, I guess, in your in 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 your books, is the drafting of tight end Carl Pitts at four overall. Um, also, two other draft picks, which I think uh, got pretty good outlooks for for the Falcons: safety Richie Grant and uh, offensive lineman Jalen Mayfield. Um, and then, obviously, the big news uh, was Hudo Jones and a 2023 sixth round pick were traded to Tennessee in exchange for a 2022 second rounder and a 2023 fourth rounder. Are you surprised there wasn't a first? No, in all honesty, just because um, of his age coming off an injury as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I can understand Falcons wanting, um, you know, obviously to get the, the best they can can and, and for fans thinking that Julio Jones is, is worth a first. And, you know, he might be worth a first for what he brings to you, but you were never going to get a first round pick for Julio Jones, especially when you see some of the um, some of the receivers coming out that were picked in the first round. You know, most teams I would have thought would would have taken those picks, um, those first round picks over Julio Jones. So I, I don't think um, a first round pick was ever ever going to second was was probably the best that we could have hoped for. And I don't know, it was a really difficult one, isn't it? Because I guess it was a bit inevitable towards the end. Of course, you know, Falcons legend, you're always going to want that, you know, want more, and you uh, you know you you want to see us doing the right thing by him but I guess towards the end how it all played out you know I'm sure if Julio could could turn back time he would have maybe done things a bit differently you know how it all played out it just got a bit messy towards the end isn't it appearing on shows um whether he knew or yeah. not is another question but it just got a bit messy and then in terms of other moves I guess it was bookended wasn't it by by the draft and the Kyle Pitts and you know yeah, absolutely a star player. You know, already one of the highest paid tight ends in the NFL, which is just absolutely crazy, isn't it? Highest ever drafted tight end. You know, really exciting. Um, yeah. But again, you've got Falcons fans fighting because some people wanted a quarterback, some people wanted Kyle Pitts, some people even wanted Penny Sewell, the, the tackle who ended up going to the Lions. So it, there was infighting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, who who knows which way that the front office really wanted to go. Um, but hands were probably tied in terms of salary cap and committing to, to Matt Ryan in the end there, which is maybe the reason why they didn't want to go down. You don't want to sit a rookie quarterback for two years, but yep. yeah, I can understand. And then fifth-year options, yeah, Hayden Hurst not being picked up. And then, as we just said, with Kyle Pitts, 
maybe makes sense, doesn't it? You know, there's a lot of money being ploughed in if you pick up his fifth-year option. That's a lot of money being spent on just the tight end room. I think he could have a really good season, actually. I think the folk, you know, all the talk and you know, all the focus is going to be on Kyle Pitts. But Hayden Hurst, you know, as a, as a second option there, I, I think could have a, have a pretty good season. And then who knows, you, you might be able to bring him back on a bit cheaper, but you know, that fifth-year option was, was never going to happen once Kyle Pitts was, was drafted. In Calvin Ridley's fifth year option being picked up again, you know, was inevitable. You can't get rid of Julio Jones and then not have, you know, your second or maybe even first best receiver in Calvin Ridley um, not not being picked up for that fifth year option. You always his, his route running is absolutely exceptional. So you you know you can't pick you can't afford to not pick a player like that up. Um, some other ones, yeah, Mike Davis running back isn't the flashy player wasn't a name I would have thought many Falcons fans were maybe interested in uh, but again salary cap constraints you've got to live within your means and uh, and that's what we've ended up with I think he's certainly going to provide a more balanced running game and, uh, and approach than um, what Todd Gurley gave us you know we, we've cut some uh, running backs as well Ito Smith um, being the, the main one, but we've also brought in an undrafted free agent, Javian Hawkins, who I think definitely had the talent to get drafted maybe in later rounds. So he could be one to, to support a kind of, you know, a thunder <laughs> to lightning type situation where, where they'll complement each other. Um, and yeah, well, should we end with a kicker? Because that's the way the Falcon season went last year, wasn't it? Where you know, the star player kicker, Young Waku, um, yeah, completely, completely makes sense. You know, he's he's probably one of the best kickers in in the NFL, isn't he? He's he's, he's definitely up there. You know, he's he's not the best, but he is up there. Um, you can't afford to not not. Well, we're gonna you know, special teams. There's gonna be a lot of that, especially with this defense, um, and hopefully the running game will help us as well. I can I can understand why uh, you know they're never that expensive either are they so I can understand you know you're not spending a fortune on him so I, I do understand that um, the one I don't understand though was Kadara Parts and you mentioned him there I'm, I'm I'm a bit baffled by it because you know he's not overly expensive he's just a, just a couple of million but you know it's a couple of million uh, either way and then you we drafted a special teams um, player primarily a corner but you know a special teams player uh, I think in the fifth round. Um, so it, I don't understand why um, you would pick him up for two million when you're only going to go and draft. All right, he's a cornerback, but he probably is going to be a special teams player. I just wanted to go back to Kyle Pitts, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I understand that uh, your your fan base being a little bit split to a point. Uh, obviously, yourself, you mm-hmm. I believe you drafted a quarterback in the five yard rush. Mock draft. I did. I did. I um, was definitely on that side of the fence, I'll be honest. But it wasn't, I don't think that was ever really that realistic, was it, with Matt Ryan being on such colossal money? I just don't, I, I can't imagine anybody taking a gamble like, you know, like, uh, say the Lions did uh, in bringing yeah. in Goff on that massive contract. Yeah. Um, in Matt Ryan, you know, uh, Especially if they're not like if if it's not them more than getting rid of a player and just sort of picking up one, yeah, who's on a big contract and returning and having a sweetener with draft picks and whatever, what yeah. have you. Um, so yeah, you, you, I think you're always going to be kind of stuck with Matt Ryan. You know, there are worse quarterbacks to get stuck with, but it's the cap situation is oh, great. Absolutely, absolutely. 
you know, and to be honest, yeah, so I, I was. No, I, I, and I was I was on the side of the fence where I think the Falcons should have, should have drafted a quarterback. Uh, f- just for me, it just made a little bit too much sense in, in the fact that you've got a new coaching staff. You know, we it's always said, yeah. isn't it, with new coaching staff, often comes a new quarterback, and uh, bringing in Arthur Smith. I think obviously you're going to be familiar. You're going to yeah. be very familiar with Arthur Smith and the offense he's put together in Tennessee. Um, we're going to find out. Uh, if it was him or if it was indeed Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill that put together that offensive, um, the offensive performances the Tennessee Titans have put together the last couple of seasons. But we'll find out very quickly because they've managed to somehow convince themselves that 36-year-old Matt Ryan mm, is the guy yeah. to go ahead um, and quarterback the Falcons for the next few years. And you know, yeah, you've got that massive contract, but the ability then to, to sit a player and you know think who would have been available, it would have been Justin Fields, I guess, if to be able to sit him behind... Uh, um, behind Ryan, who you know, the all holy ex- experience that that he can pass on, I think would have been a nice play. But I do understand going for Pitts. But to be honest, it seemed a bit like a luxury pick. You know, you're, you're picking a tight end at number four. Um, yeah. You know, you've obviously got got holes on the roster that needs to be filled, and is tight end always valued that highly you know maybe if you drafted you know something about penny solar you know the, the tackle that maybe would have made more sense because we do have problems along the line as well so i do get it they they went i think just uh, as the fan pleaser i don't think anyone was unhappy to hear mm-hmm. uh, his name called yeah yeah i think sometimes you have to just take the best oh, available yeah, player. Totally and I think Pitts is argu- was argu- is arguably mm-hmm. the best athlete in the entire yeah. draft this year. Um, and and I mean yeah, the money it's, it's he's already earning, having not played a and not played a professional stat snap, yeah. is um, is something, isn't it? And it certainly leans into him being a him him being a uh, him being a serious threat. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, I, 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 I probably, yep. I'd have had a hard time saying no to to Pitts at four, but I think if I was a full Falcons, I probably would have taken Sewell. Personally, I think that was your biggest need. I mean, personally, I personally, if I could, yep. I'd just get rid of Matt Ryan at all cost. Take take a, take hits where you need to, and probably go for a quarterback. But that was never going to happen. So. It would have been the Sewell pick. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of that you where you where you're caught in between, and the, I think the Falcons are there right now, where you're not quite competing, but you're not quite in a rebuild either, and you know you're stuck in the middle there. And at some point, you know it's got it's got to tip, and the only reason why we are in the middle, and it's it's because of Matt Ryan. Now he's a great quarterback. He's been a great servant, and. I absolutely don't want to see him off this roster. I would like him to retire at a Falcon. He's given so much to the franchise. I don't think there's any Falcons fan that, that would disagree with that. But to bring in a rookie quarterback and just reset the clock on the rookie deal as well with a, with a new coaching staff just buys so that buys that time and, and just, I don't know, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, maybe they're looking at the fact that maybe the coaching staff are expecting to have a nice high pick next year. <laughs> that's why you didn't rush to a quarterback this year. So we're just going to move it straight on. We're going to talk about the Saints. Um, now, 
I've got a player here that uh, I have no idea how to say his name. You can probably fix that for me. Tano. Oh, Capasignon. There you go. Uh, yep, yeah, he's been signed. Um, Nick, Nick Vanett uh, is also in. Um, you've let go of Janaris Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Trey Hendrickson. Uh, and I wrote Winston because uh, Spotrak was wrong and doesn't have you listening, doesn't have him as a uh, player that's re-signed, even though he is still showing up on your uh, roster. Um, Drew Brees, has he retired? He has retired, hasn't he? Officially retired, yes. Um, Officially we, retired. We managed to save $23 million in cap space, for it, which uh, really helped us get under the mark there. Um, so thank you, Drew, um, for the <laughs> last bit of good piece of business for the Saints. Uh, yeah, and then uh, defensive end Peyton Turner, linebacker Pete Werner, uh, cornerback Paulson Adebo, and quarterback Ian Book. All signs on. Um, how does that feel? You got a QB? Yeah, you got a not the QB I wanted, and Ian Book. <laughs> I, uh, I watched a few college games last year. Notre Dame were one of the teams I watched quite occasionally. They actually played really well last year. Ian Book wasn't necessarily the reason Notre Dame went on the winning streak that they went on. Um, what's ironic is he kind of reminds a lot of people of Drew Brees. He's very much undersized. He's not the most athletic man you're ever going to find on the on the football field. Um, and his passing accuracy wasn't that great in Notre Dame either. So I don't have much confidence in him. Um, and that kind of leads that will lead us on to our, our problem with the Saints next. That's kind of the unknown in our predictions is what we're going to do at quarterback and who's going to be under center next year. But as far as our off season goes, um, I know uh, Mickey Loomis and. Sean Payton for months must have been staring at their calculators and their spreadsheets trying to figure out how they were going to get under the cap. Um, we, all, we always had faith that they would. They actually cleared since um, the Super Bowl finished and uh, Tampa Bay unfortunately won. Uh, the Saints cleared $111 million in cap space um, from then until the start of the new league year in March. Um, I, I know how they did it because they, they restructured a lot of contracts. They actually managed to um, get $52 million saved in just contract restructures alone, which is uh, impressive. We must have some amazing cap finance guy in the, in the room there. But yeah, that was mainly our off-season goal was just getting under the cap to make sure we weren't penalized by the league. And um, that's why we don't have a lot of additions and we kind of relied on the draft to inject some youth into the team. Um, so hopefully that, that kind of comes through and we'll, we'll see how that goes this, this season. Yeah, the Saints. The Saints have a have a quite a good habit of paying players way too much, and then realizing, oh crap, we're in a we're in a bind here, and then restructuring things, and somehow just it seems to be a rinse and repeat process for you. We sold out to try and get that Super Bowl, right? Like we 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 sold out to try and get that last Super Bowl with Breeze, um, and. And it yeah, fails. this is probably this is the season we're trying to. Uh, this is, we're going to pay our medicine a little bit, but we still managed to keep together a lot of the core guys. It meant uh, those, yeah. those people who the players whose contract was were up, so Sheldon Rankins and Trey Hendrickson, we would have loved to have kept, but we were no there was no money to pay those guys what they actually got from other teams, um, and to be able to still restructure and keep hold of the core group of guys that we've got, um, you know, the likes of Michael Thomas and Demario Davis. Uh, all restructured, Cameron Jordan restructured. Um, our core group of guys that we really built the team around and kind of are the leaders in the locker room. We've managed to restructure and keep in the building for a long time. Um, so, yeah, hopefully the the front office, Sean Payton, clearly they trust in their core group of guys. And they, uh, and in terms of additions, we've, like I say, we've injected youth through the drafts. Um, we still have a really good blend with veteran players and youth players. So hopefully we can still go on a Super Bowl run, but it's 
or make the playoffs next year. But it's all the, the quarterback is the unknown, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, and and I've got a question about that in a minute, so we'll we'll, we'll move on now. Uh, and saying we're moving on, we're moving on to the twenty twenty one season now. Um, before we look at the the teams and the twenty one twenty one season, we've got a question for Adrian and Ross because uh, Danny's not here, and it's about the Bucks. Um, so we we took this question from Twitter from Patrick Jackson, who's been on the show a couple of times and he's involved in a couple of other shows like the Long Snapper Podcast. So thanks for sending the question, Pat. Um, the question is: Everyone seems to be conspiring to give the Bucks another divisional win. The Panthers and the Saints with new quarterbacks, uh, and the Falcons unable to decide whether they're win now or in a rebuild. How can the other three teams bridge the gap to the Buccaneers long term? Over over the long term, obviously the Saints. Well, everyone needs to find their quarterback. Like that's that's the key. Uh, Tampa Bay. But if you think about long term, Tampa Bay just have their quarterback for this year in Brady. And we don't know when he's going to fall completely off the wagon. It could be, some argue it was towards the end of last season. Yeah, he didn't play well in the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, played okay in the Super Bowl, but wasn't anything special. Wasn't the reason the Bucks won the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Um, what they've done well is keep everyone in, in-house. They've, you know, they've, they've re-signed players, they've re-signed Barrett, they've re-signed Godwin on the franchise tag. Um, there's... No guarantee just getting the band back together is going to be enough the second time round. Um, other teams in the NFC improved in terms of the, the division. You know, the Saints still have a lot of their core guys. Like I said, the, the Panthers are very young. They're hungry. They, if they turn out to be good, the Panthers is because they won't even realize they're good, and they'll have the exuberance of youth, and they'll just go into any building anywhere in the country and just you know want to win, and they'll you know they'll they'll do their best. The Falcons have no idea. They're kind of Nobody really knows where they're at. But with Matt Ryan, you just never know when he's going to put it all together on a given Sunday and, you know, win you a game. Um, and that's what could happen to the Bucks. They just they drop <clears> games <throat> here and there, and suddenly you're not the first round by, and then uh, you get knocked out in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, there's no guarantee with the Bucks that the, the group of players that won last year are good enough to do the same thing this year. There's no guarantee they have the same drive, the same passion to do it again. Yeah, I just touched on what Ross said there. I, I don't think... The Bucks have a great defense there, but um, and it's back to that old defense wins championships. They've uh, a heck of a, a, a linebacking core there with uh, Levante David and Shaquille Barrett. So I think the NFC South need to focus more on how they break down that defense rather than worrying about the offense. You know, this, uh, as Ross touched on, they've, they've tied down a lot of guys there <clears throat> for the next couple of years. But what do they do whenever uh, Brady? Um, and one year, two years is done. He's his, his arm's gone, or <clears throat> he's had enough, and he decides to pull the pin. And that's why I think uh, looking at what the Carolinas doing with uh, their defense at the moment, I like it. But I think long term, you got to be looking at how do we how do we pick apart uh, a defense such as as uh, the Tampa Bay's. And again, it goes right back to what we touched on earlier, uh, Nate about. The, the Carolinas O-line, I think we definitely have to look at building that for for at least the next three, four, five, six years. But in regards to the Bucks, the Bucks will be looking to win this year again, uh, the whole lot. Brady will be looking to do it again. The teams will teams will have adjusted to them. Teams will know um, what, what, way they're, what way they're made up now. So, and Arians is still there, and, and, and Arians is Arians, so he is. 
yeah. So we'll move on uh, to the Panthers uh, for the upcoming season. Um, obviously, Darnold is the big news in Charlotte. Um, and although they've lost Curtis Samuel to the Washington football team, they've got Robbie Anderson there. Um, do you see? Do you see a bit of a resurgence for Sam, or do you think it's a little bit too early for that? A little bit too soon in the rebuild. No, I think I think <clears throat> I think Darnold slots straight in there and and turns turns Carlisle into a winning team. It's whether or not the organisation wants to become a winning team. If you know what I mean, whether they want this to be a winning season, whether they want to compete, make playoffs, keep fans happy, or whether <clears throat> what we've touched on already, whether they want to continue to rebuild. Um, the, the the fact that the the draft they, they they've taken they, they took uh, Marshall in the third round, um, and they selected or they 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 picked up Darnold in the off season. I, I think I think it's going to be a mixture of both. I think it's going to be a, a test of water first. Three four games, see how we go. Um, and looking at those first three four five games, they are winnable. Something similar to last year, possibly see how it goes. Uh, and then last year, CMC went down and it quickly turned into a, a tanking season. Let's let's see what pick we can get. Yeah, I think I think I think obviously being being early in the rebuild, it's it's difficult to um, it's difficult to pin pin your hopes on a guy that has largely had a. Tough time in the league so far. Um, obviously, coming in with a guy like Christian McCaffrey is colossal, isn't it? Great, great running back, great receiving back. He can, if he can stay fit, he can be a real, a real force for you winning games. Uh, obviously, there's concerns about whether he has the ability to stay fit for that long. Um, I think I'd like to see. I'd like. I really like Sam Darnold um, for some reason. I don't really know because we haven't seen much of him that's been that impressive so far in the NFL. But I do like Sam Darnold, so I kind of like to see him have a nice run at it and have a have a have have a better time in Carolina. It seems to be a consensus with a lot of the guys I talk to, like you know, in terms of their uh, other teams, they like Sam Darnold. I don't know if it's as much as they like Sam Darnold, or they just absolutely despise Adam Gase um, with the Jets, and so they want they're willing Sam Darnold to do well somewhere else to prove that Adam Gase should never get another job in football ever again. Um, I think it's more along those lines. It's the negative feelings towards Gase that have spurred the positive emotions towards <laughs> Darnold for whatever reason. Um, as I say with the Panthers, I think if the, it is very much testing the waters. I think you hit, both hit the nail on the head a little bit. If, if they go on, if they win three or four of the first six or seven, they'll just ride the wave, as it were. Um, they're a very young team, like I say, and they'll, they'll just happily ride the wave um, and hopefully pick up some more wins for you guys. Um, Hopefully not from my perspective, but <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. And then uh, we're going to move on to the Saints. Um, there's only one question for New Orleans, isn't there? What does the offense and indeed the season look like without Drew Brees? Is it Jameis Winston? Is it is it the tough show favorite Tate? Or is Ian Book going to come in and surprise everyone, beat everybody in there in in camp? And come in and own own the NFC South. Yeah, I don't like to drop bad words on the on the, or swear words on the show that often, but I have absolutely no fucking idea what the New Orleans Saints are going to do at quarterback this season. Um, the last I read is that Tay has the inside track to be the starter, but I don't know if we can trust the sources or not. Uh, Ian Book has really been mentioned, and as you said, Spotrac doesn't even know that Jameis Winston's on the roster and in off-season activities at the moment. 
So <laughs> I don't even know if most of the league know what's going on in the New Orleans Saints quarterback room at the moment, let alone me. Um, like, like I say, I think what would be really interesting is if Tate, if Tate is the starter uh, in New Orleans. Um, as we know, he's one of the most athletic guys in football in the league at the moment. Um, you know, it's just he was on special teams like three or four years ago as, as a gunner. Um, and then he's come in as a tight end. He's also come in at running back. He's wildcat formation as well. And then he started four games at quarterback, which is what he played at BYU in college. So he could be the guy. What would be interesting is we have a really, really good offensive line um, that matches something like the, the Baltimore Ravens have. So I wonder if Sean Payton is going to go down the Tate route if he just goes all in on uh, our offensive line and Alvin Kamara and uh, Latavius Murray and the good kind of backfield we built. And goes in on an, a really powerful, versatile rushing attack. We had the most rushing touchdowns in the league last year. Um, we're, we're built in the trenches in the last few years for the draft. This would be the year to do it with Tay Tay, one of the most athletic guys at the quarterback position in the league. Um, if you go down the Jameis Winston route, it's a very different offense. So that is the kind of the issue that we're facing as a Saints fan, is that we don't know which route we're going to go down. Because the decision that we make at quarterback kind of decides what the offense is going to look like too. I will just say, as a Bucks fan, the the prospect that worries me the the most in regards to the, the Saints quarterback room is, uh, especially after that throw in the in the playoffs, um, is the prospect of Jameis Winston after laser eye surgery, um, and in in behind a good offensive line, just turning into some sort of Brett Favre. It gives me nightmares <laughs> to think about, to be honest. So I'm hoping it's Taysom Hill, even though he's probably the better football player. Well, we talked about Darnold earlier being only 24. Jameis Winston's still only 27. Ryan Tannehill wasn't a viable starter in the league until he turned 30, basically, with the with the Titans. So, I mean, there, there's definitely... there's With a year in Sean Payton's system, uh, under his guidance, as I said, I think he's one of the best coaches in the league still. Um, who knows? I think Winston could be the guy. The rumour is that the inside track is... like Hill has the inside track, and I don't... Uh, I don't know how I feel about it because we, we don't know what the offense is going to look like. Um, it is the biggest mystery in football right now, almost. Harry, I think I think you saying there about having nightmares about that. I I think that's a case of waking up with your face in the in the in the cornflakes bowl. I can't see that happening. You know, we we talked about there about well, I talked about the defense winning championships. Ross, for for me, I don't see Winston or. Or I, I I can't call him Tete. I just can't. I just, <laughs> this is absolutely taking me to the fair. You guys got you. We have we have a brand of crisps over here called Tato, and every time you say Tete, I'm just thinking of this. Google it whenever you're finished. Look up Tato. Look up the the the, the Tato man. Honestly, <clears throat> but I just can't see New Orleans. You know, for me they need a like I love Peyton. I think he's a football guru, but I just can't see him. I just can't. They need a quarterback. And I don't see Winston or, or Tate being it. Uh, yeah, sorry, we've. Uh, I, I was gonna. I was all ready to come in and and respond a little bit there, and we've lost. We've lost another one. We've lost Harry now. So we're gonna keep going. Going down that flies. We're we're gonna keep going until there's no one left. Um, we're gonna go and look at the Falcons for 2021. Um, obviously, you know, as, as we've alluded to, we've we've spoken about. Jones is out, uh, and Matt Ryan is on a colossal contract. So you know, it's, the Falcons really uh, in, in, in cap hell, and they're probably going to be for the next couple of years because of that Matt Ryan deal. Um, it's probably fair to say you're early in the rebuild 
uh, early into a rebuild. Obviously, the new mm. the new coach and stuff, as you as, you, as you've spoken about. Yeah. Do you think it's Do you think it's going to go the the typical sort of rebuild way, where you're going to have a couple of bad years and then the momentum will build as you as you manage to replace some of those, or fill some of those holes, or or, or replace some of those uh, players that uh, are in a little bit of a uh, a downward spiral, or do you think you're uh, do you think it's going to be a quick recovery? Yeah, I I, I think uh, I said that this this is going to take at least a couple of years. I, I can't see us being or at least competing to win divisions or, or win playoff games in the next couple of years. Um, you know, yes, new new coaching staff coming in hints at that and you very rarely see a team say sit in the middle there and then take off there's always at least a year of being absolutely horrendous hopefully we would say you you would hope we've had that year but whether there's there and still enough to build around uh, for future um i'm not so sure or certain to be honest with you there is a lot to be enthusiastic about I would just hinder and there's a bit of caution needed. And yeah, I think this this is going to take a couple of years, say because of that Matt Ryan contract is, is, is just so monstrous that we're going to have to recover from that before we start competing for, for the big the big yeah. wins. Um, okay, so all that's left for you to do is give me your final standings for the NFC South with records if you can stretch to them. Oh, right. Okay, so I'll start at the top. I'll go. I, I do think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will, will win the division, and I think they'll win it pretty handsomely as well. Um, now I have to remember that it's a seventeen-game <laughs> season. That's going to catch me out here when I'm trying to uh, think. But um, I, I'm pretty confident that, that the Buccaneers can can even go and 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 get another ring back to back. At what you know, I think they are the hot favourite. So. I would maybe go um, for the record for the Buccaneers. I maybe go fourteen and three. I'm testing my maths <laughs> here as well. Um, second, I think the Carolina Panthers will finish second. I like what they are doing there. Unfortunately, I really like Matt Rule. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, as much as it pains me to say, it, I think he's a really, really likable guy, um, and I do like what he's doing with the quarterback situation. But I do like what he's doing, so I'll maybe go. Um, I think they could go nine and eight. For the Saints, I will go hmm, eight and nine. And then for the Falcons, they're coming last. Unfortunately, I can't see anything other than um, finishing bottom. Um, I think we'll improve, but I don't think by a lot. So I will go. Six and eleven. We've got very similar standings there. Um, in fact, the same the okay. same order. Um, I've got the Bucks twelve and five. I've got the Panthers nine and eight, which is the same as you. I've got the Saints seven and mm-hmm. ten. Um, I okay. think there's going to be a big drop off for them this year. Um, yeah, and then the Falcons six and eleven, which is the same, I think, as you. And that's why we lost everything. Originally, we had a different Falcons fan in, a guy called Danny, who I really appreciate the fact that he uh, 
he he came on in the first place, but we couldn't find time to get him back on to re-record his audio. It, it the entire track was lost. Um, fortunately, we found a wine who who graciously <laughs> agreed to come on and help us help us in a squeeze. I just want to you know, apologise to all the guys that that have been involved in this episode. It's uh, it's it's probably not a great experience for any of them having uh, gone through the uh, ridiculous rigmarole that was uh, the, the recording of this episode. And I just want to thank everybody for 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 appearing throughout this last series. It's been a real task to to find and organise thirty two, close to thirty two fans. Um, and try to make all the schedules line up and 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 where we can. So I really appreciate everybody coming on and and helping us out and recording with us. Um, we will do it again next year, um, albeit probably in a slightly different and easier format. We're going to take a couple of weeks off now, um, and we're going to return with a very special episode and a very special guest before the the season uh, starts uh, and we also have a couple of other special episodes to drop between now and the beginning of the season so uh, all that's left to say is thank you all for listening and goodbye (laughs) 